Hello, folks. Dr. Maurice Selby here, medical director, producer, and co-host of Health in Harlem on WHCR 90.3 FM and the Health in Harlem podcast. While we strive to bring you the most up-to-date, reliable, evidence-based information to help you live the healthiest life possible, this show does not substitute for an evaluation by a trained and licensed medical professional. It is highly recommended that any advice or recommendations on medications, treatments, nutrition, fitness, preventive services, etc. be implemented under the guidance and supervision of your primary medical provider or appropriate specialist. With that said, we hope that you enjoy and learn from our program, and please be sure to let us know how we can best serve you in future shows. Ladies and gentlemen of the listening audience, my name is Maurice Selby. My name is Reed. And you're listening to the one and only Health in Harlem on WHCR 90.3 FM New York, the voice of Harlem and the Health in Harlem podcast. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we will be talking about probiotics, the pros, the cons, the controversy. And we have to take us through that uh, two special guests. We have Dr. Peter Cohen. He's an associate professor of medicine at the Harvard Medical School, uh, also part of the Cambridge Health Alliance, and he leads the supplement research program. And he's actually a leading voice in supplement safety here in the United States. We also have Dr. Daniel Merenstein. He's a professor of family medicine and the director of research of family medicine at the Georgetown University School of Medicine. And if there's anyone that's on the front lines of keeping people healthy, I would say it's Dr. Merenstein and family physicians and primary care physicians across the country. Um, and that's what we have, I think, really the best folks to talk to us about probiotics um, as we go forward. And, you know, ladies and gentlemen, on Health in Harlem, we are proponents of living the healthiest life possible. But obviously, we want you to make informed choices and decisions. And that's why we invited our special guest today. So welcome, Drs. Cohen and Merenstein. How are you guys doing? Great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I really appreciate it. No, thank you guys for joining us, man. I know our listening on, I mean, myself, actually, this is something that I'm looking forward to in terms of, right, how I might be able to benefit. Um, And this is something that's come up in our discussions uh, on health in Harlem in the past and figured we'd really take that deep dive and get some good information out there. So when we talk about probiotics, uh, sort of in general, what are we sort of speaking to um, I mean, I think everybody's kind of familiar in general out there, right? And that we have these products, very big industry um, that are available uh, in our grocery stores, in our pharmacies. Um, but when we talk about actually promoting health, what is it behind probiotics um, that is sort of the potential benefit with this? Um, I guess I'll take the First time that before we start, I just I want to thank you uh, for inviting me and to say I do have some conflicts of interest uh, related to probiotics. Uh, I've been studying probiotics for about 15 years now, uh, and I um, have done some uh, work for uh, Howard U and VSL3 and um, Bayer, and I'm also the president of 
uh, the International Scientific Association for Probiotics and Prebiotics. That's a, a non-paid position, um, and it's an academic board. But uh, we do promote the science, so this is a good opportunity. I'm happy to be here. So, as you said, probiotics uh, are live microorganisms uh, that benefit the host, and that can be in, in animals. A lot of uh, data in animals, and, and we're mainly talking about humans today, obviously. Uh, generally, bacteria, but there's some yeast that are out there, um, and they have been shown in you know many different randomized controlled trials uh, to benefit for certain indications and for certain people. And, and that's always a caveat, just like any drug or exercise or any diet. Uh, you need to make sure it's the right one for the right person at the right time. But they've been out there studied for about 15 to 20 years. So they're relatively new. Uh, and as we've learned more about the microbiome, the bacteria in our all of our body, I was going to say the gut mainly, we talked about the gut, but all of our body, skin, nose, everything. Uh, we've been finding ways to hopefully um, modulate and change things and help them and one of the ways has been with probiotics and and so and you know I'm, I'm glad you mentioned sort of um the novelty um or at least uh as far as the general public i think this is something that has been around right when we talk about um sort of the benefits to um our bodies um when it comes to microorganisms yes we acknowledge there are pathogens right there are bacteria out there fungi um, things that can cause harm to the body, but it's been acknowledged for thousands of years that there are organisms out there that can be beneficial uh, to our bodies. And it's something that's definitely come into focus uh, in the last few decades, um, exploding, as we said, into a multi-billion dollar industry, one of the most commonly consumed food supplements worldwide. Um, and we see it in items such as yogurt, ice cream, uh, cheese snacks, nutrition bars, cereals, um, even infant formulas, right? This stuff is everywhere. Um, and, you know, prior to, or sort of coming into this program, um, this was something that I, I think, uh, at least in my understanding, and when we talk about the general public, just sort of when we talked about living the healthiest life possible, right? A healthy lifestyle, this was sort of something that went without saying. It was like, if you get that yogurt in there or you get uh, any sort of food item, um, and maybe even a supplement with these organisms, you're going to stand to to benefit. Um, but I guess the question is, is that necessarily always the case for anyone that sort of picks this up in a store or randomly? So, yeah. Um, well, I, I guess uh, I so I just want to first say, too, I have no conflicts of interest um, when discussing uh, probiotics. Um, I, I think this really gets at a really good question. Uh, fundamentally what is a probiotic? So we were talking about these live bacteria. And the thing is that, and as you mentioned, you know, there's live bacteria. That's what causes so many diseases. We also know there's these live bacteria that have been part of yogurt and many other foods for hundreds, thousands of years and mm. beneficial to us. Um, what's sort of tricky here, and I think we need to be careful about using the term probiotic, this term, because Technically, a probiotic is one of those live organisms. It can be a bacteria or like Dan mentioned, a yeast that can reproduce on its own, reproduce inside your body. But a probiotic is one that's been proven to be beneficial for human health. That's sort of like, you know, the um, international standard definition. The problem is that here in the United States, we've, um, we've sort of, gone on our own path in terms of 
what we call probiotics. So basically, we have now instead, uh, for market, from my perspective, from marketing perspective, to sort of pitch these products to to make it the hundreds of millions of dollars in sales. We basically call anything harmless bacteria that might be found in food or, or just sitting around probiotics. That that's sort of what's happened. So mm-hmm. in stores. You name it, you can sell something as if it's "quote unquote" probiotic, even if you have no proof that that actually improves human health. So that's where things are tricky. So I actually think those products on store shelves in America today, most of them, should be called live microorganisms, and then that would be more transparent, more honest of what you're selling. And a few of them, and like Dan said, for very special situations, mm-hmm. have benefit for human health. But that's very specific to the to the person who's taking it, and what kind of condition you have, and a lot of specifics are involved there. But that, that's my take. On it. I, I I would um, agree with most of that. I would say that we did a survey where we went and pulled products at uh, different stores, and two experts reviewed the data, and about forty nine percent of food products, less supplements. I think the supplement was thirty three percent had had good evidence of data. So I guess it matters what Peter considers good evidence and what, 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 and that's not 90%. It's not 10% though. So it's about if you went to the supermarket and just got a dairy product, about half the time you would have one that had evidence. That's probably not that bad when you think about a lot of the things we have out there, but it could be better. And I agree with Peter. If it's not studied and it's just a microorganism in your kombucha, then it's a live microorganism, which actually might benefit you. There might be a benefit to more mm-hmm. fermented foods. There might be, but you can't call it a probiotic unless you have a clinical trial to show that. Got it. I think that's such an important distinction. And and thank you both for clarifying. Um, actually, I wish my well, my wife is going to listen to this because we go back and forth on this all the time. All this stuff. Anytime the kid has an ailment, she's like, oh, I'm going to reach for this thing. And I'm like, I don't know. She's like, well, will this work, Maurice? And I'm like, honestly, I can't tell you it will. I mean, it could um, benefit her. Um, and I got two daughters. Right. So, um, I mean, we we go back and forth with this stuff all the time. And I think this is something that uh, when we look at sort of the trends in health in this country, I think we can generally say that most people um, want to live a happy, healthy lifestyle and strive to do so. And they make changes right in accordance to uh, the recommendations that we all make in the the healthcare, the scientific community. Um, And one of those changes, right, included things like this, like increasing the um, the amount of healthy food items or even supplements that we incorporate um, into our body. But I think right to a certain degree, sort of, and I think we kind of talked about this thus far is that we kind of ran wild with it, right? And that where is sort of um, the actual benefit that we see um, in terms of individuals, right? Living healthy uh, lifestyles. Um, And then where are and I think this is something that we need to acknowledge as well, where are potential risks um, with this? Um, And that's something that I I think Dr. Cohen has also um, sort of been uh, researching um, as far as right. uh, If there are benefits and this is with medicine in general, ladies and gentlemen, uh, something that we talk about each and every week on health in Harlem, that just as there can be benefits with certain uh, interventions, there can be risks, right? Anything that we put in our bodies, um, there can be benefits and risks. And I think it's something that we need to acknowledge when we talk about this, even if we're talking about the risk to our pockets, right? <laughs> because some of these items, 
um, being exceedingly expensive and individuals making investments that might not bring them the benefits um, that they're looking for. Well, I, I think before we dive into the risks, which I think mm-hmm. are important to discuss, especially uh, financial ones, I, I do think that um, another issue that's raised, that Dan raised, is really good for us to sort of break down a little more about level of evidence, you know, um, because, and also it, um, I think it's important for us to all think about that there's like a sort of, some people, for example, might want to dive into some sort of health product, even when they know there's there's just the slimmest bit of evidence from, an, from a mouse study that it works. And other people want to sort of hold back and wait until they know it's been proven in a large trial in humans before they want to put in their body. So I, I think like it's, it's helpful for us to sort of try to think through like of those, e- even the categories that um, Dan's talking to that would be called probiotics legitimately. How much evidence do we actually have that they work so that people can, consumers can like, you know, kind of match their own approach to their health uh, with these kind of questions. So I, I just wanted to throw it out there that maybe we should talk about that a little bit about how much evidence there is to support uh, the use. So- so, Mo, um, I totally agree uh, with Peter, uh, and I think Peter does a, amazing work, and he's protected a lot of people with his uh, supplement work, and he's got a uh, recent study doing the same thing, and I think that's important. But I do think that he has a little unrealistic expectation for how we can – what the data we can have for evidence. So, as I think you're a family doctor, Mo, right? Emergency. Matter, okay. So, mm-hmm. um, sort of the same idea that when, when we talk to people about diet – and exercise and sleep and all these things, we have very limited evidence to make healthy people healthier. It's almost impossible besides maybe a few cancer screens and some vaccines. Um, and, and Peter and people that, that talk like this expect us to have the evidence to make healthy people healthier, to show mm-hmm. before someone does a new exercise, uh, Pilates, that we've actually shown that Pilates has an evidence base that's gonna decrease heart risk. Well, we, that's not really the expectation. When we talk about evidence for things like colic for kids, antibiotic-associated diarrhea, helping Mm -hmm. ulcerative colitis, other groups, not just me, but other groups have independently reviewed that. And there's high level of evidence for that kind of thing. But but Peter is right, and this is where we disagree. It's really hard to show to healthy people healthier. There's some data, but it's a difficult thing to do. And I would say if the side effects or the adverse event is pretty low, and we need to talk about the money, then it's probably worth it. It's probably worth it to go to your Mm -hmm. Pilates class. Uh, if you can afford it, because we think it's probably good for your heart, even though I don't really have any data to support that. I see. I see exactly what you're saying um, in that the and I guess when we talk about uh, some of the other data and, and you might be able to speak to this, I'm pretty sure he will, um, Dr. Merenstein, as far as right what we're learning about the um, gut microbiome, for instance, and uh, sort of right the uh, mechanistically going back and, and sort of looking at the um how this all works, right? It makes, I think, perfect sense in that, or at least um, we can sort of get an idea that, yes, something like a a probiotic, um, right? Putting good microorganisms that um, can enhance our immune function or modulate our immune function. Um, They can enhance maybe the way that we digest um, food, right? That would make um, a lot of sense. But how do we, I guess, then the question, and, and I'm glad you guys brought it up in terms of Right. Making healthy people healthier or preventing disease. Yeah. In terms of getting that 
the burden of proof, <laughs> I guess, right, is is on science in that regard. Um, and I guess it is kind of like you're, you're, what you're saying is that maybe um, considering the theoretical benefits and the low risk of using these items, maybe it is worth taking that chance. Um, how I think about it is I'm a primary care doc, a general internist. So I really um, feel that when, when I have someone come into the my clinic who's totally healthy, if I'm going to recommend something as their physician, and, and that's the same thing, Mo, that I would say to your listeners today, I'm talking mm -hmm. to them as their physician. I'm going to set a very high bar, honestly. If I have a healthy person and asking, and they're asking me, how can I get healthier? Because that's, it's one thing if someone's coming to me with symptoms and I'm doing my best to try to help them mm -hmm. and we're balancing risk benefit in that situation, you know, they might get harmed by the medication, but since they're suffering, I want to relieve their suffering and we're going to try to do it. Sometimes there's side effects that when it comes to taking a totally healthy person, whether or not it's recommending a colonoscopy to look for colon cancer, a PSA test to look for prostate cancer, uh, you name it, uh, 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 uh a CAT scan of the lungs to look for lung cancer. Mm -hmm. so there are situations where we're screening, so we're taking healthy people, trying to make them healthier. And uh, I, I, I think that's a real, uh, that's a really big deal, you know. And and I take that that advice really very seriously. And I want to see evidence proof before, as a professional physician, I'm giving that advice to my patients. Uh, so a, a good example of uh, something that I think we should sort of keep in mind here, which is very similar in terms of its potency, its narrative, is the story about vitamins. So like a multivitamin really, you know, if, if we went backwards in time, maybe 50, 60 years, the sort of narrative would be incredibly powerful that taking a multivitamin a day would prevent all sorts of illnesses, could prevent mm -hmm. cancer, could prevent heart disease, you name it. I mean, it made all the sense of the world from early research on it because people with low vitamins get really sick, very mm -hmm. serious, and replacing those vitamins miraculously, we found at the turn of the you know, uh, early 1900s, miraculously cured so many different diseases. So the power of the multivitamin narrative was incredibly powerful. But what we found after billions of dollars are spent on multivitamins is that they don't prevent disease. They don't prevent cancer. They don't prevent heart disease. They don't make a healthy person healthier. So it's very possible that some form of live microorganism can make a healthier person possible or some mixture of that can. But that's a hypothesis, powerful narrative, but that's what it is right now. It's a hypothesis narrative. And given, and I agree with Dan, it's just from my perspective, I put a high bar on telling a healthy person that to focus on anything other than eating super healthfully, healthfully, getting enough exercise, getting enough sleep, having the proper, you know, arranging social support, your loved ones, supporting them and being uh, supported by them. You know. Um, to, to distract from any of those core things, I'm going to, I'm going to hold off right now when it comes to uh, recommending any live microorganism.
I, I guess I would say that's not really a fair comparison, a fair analogy. Uh, my dad, if he was alive, be 86. He was a country family doc, and he told me from day one when I was a little kid that the vitamins had no benefit. It was pretty obvious to anyone who looked at the evidence that there was no benefit. They had benefit. They were they, people were were, and they're still doing it with vitamin D. Are, are tricked into people who have deficiencies, and then they try to look. But it's been pretty clear for a long time. The the probiotic story is is a much uh, shorter story. The le level of evidence is much, much higher. And um, we have, you know, um, many, many studies where we show people that dysbiosis or unbalanced uh, GI system where they uh, take different uh, probiotics and it, and it benefits them. And people just anecdotally say that it's one of the reasons there are more supplements than drugs. Um, but I do think we're missing the point. The one of the points, there's no question that we, and we can talk more about it, keeping healthy people healthier. Because if you, if you follow Peter's uh, level, you really never recommend any exercise, any diet, any sleep habit, because we just don't have any evidence for that, really. If you if you can tell me what diet to do, I would I'd like to do it right now. I'll tell all my patients, but there's none that really have good evidence. No, there's some that have okay evidence, um, but we're, hmm. but he's missing the point that we have good evidence for things with disease states like infantile colic, irritable bowel disease, uh, antibiotic associated diarrhea, preventing C diff. There's there's you know five to seven things that are high level evidence. They've been reviewed hmm. by groups independently who recommend that. So there's two separate issues. Are, are the supplements good for some of these specific things? And are they good for everyone? And for everyone, that's a high level of evidence. And I, I, I wouldn't be here to argue that they're good for everyone because that's I don't know if we're ever going to show that for anything. Uh, but for specific things, they're, they're definitely worthwhile. Got it. What I'm taking from that is that, right, essentially, if it were Reed or myself walking into a supermarket and we're trying to make decisions, right, what we're going to put into that shopping cart as far as food items, um, if we were talking supplements, even supplements and whatever else we need, right? We're going to buy maybe some gear to work out in, um, maybe the best investments would be kind of, and I, I guess something that we would sort of reference is the, uh, American Heart Association, sort of their newest guidelines that really sort of speak to, um, individuals background, sort of cultural background, right. And create and crafting what would be a healthy diet. We'd pick up those things, right? Fresh fruit, fresh vegetables, items that are minimally processed, lean meats. And then we get to that vitamin aisle or supplement aisle and we see the probiotics. Um, and if we don't have any of those particular conditions that you mentioned, so the um, C. diff colitis or, or irritable bowel uh, syndrome, um, you know, antibiotic associated diarrhea in our children, then at this point, we'd probably skip that section um, based on what we're saying. Um, or at least we can't say that, right, an individual buying those items would be sort of contributing to their overall health and well-being, um, making that investment at this time. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I don't think there's anyone that's going to say every person needs a probiotic in their diet. Mm -hmm. uh, if they do, they're not. They're definitely not following, following the evidence of that. Unfortunately, though, in the U.S., most people aren't eating as healthy as it sounds like you're eating. And we have a lot of people with irritable bowel syndrome. No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I'm going to back up on that. I'm not, <laughs> at least for the last few weeks, it's been a rough last few weeks, but I'm, I'm trying to get All back right. on my well, game. I'm trying to. ER docs don't usually eat that healthy, <laughs> but if you can do it. Um, so, so a lot of people have, you know, either official irritable bowel syndrome or irritable bowel syndrome-like disease. So I think a lot more people could probably benefit from a trial of probiotics. Doesn't I mean they'll, they'll benefit, but they have a trial of probiotics. Mm -hmm. And maybe there is, right, ladies and gentlemen, because we and, and we always say this on, on Health in Harlem, we are not Debbie Downers, right? We, we want to um, sort of be positive in our approach to um, healthy living. 
and, and who knows, maybe there is a benefit that we will uncover or learn about later for sort of, I don't want to say it like this, but the general population for the average individual um, that does not have any major health problems, right? They're trying to prevent a lot of those health problems. Maybe there is a benefit, but we just don't have uh, the clear data to make that general recommendation for everyone at this time. Um, no, I just want to add a few things. One thing is that I think, I mean, it seems complicated to keep a lot of things in mind. Like, do mm-hmm. I have this diagnosis? Do I have that diagnosis? Should I be it? I, I, I keep it simple and say to, you know, everyone who's listening that talk to your doc and say, do I need to be taking probiotics for my conditions? Mm-hmm. And if your doctor your provider says, yeah, because of this specific thing, you should take this specific probiotic. And we're talking about they should be, if there is evidence, it's going to be a very specific strain or combination of strains. So this is not like we're using these phrases like take a probiotic. Mm-hmm. But I think it's it's more important to understand these are not like interchangeable things. It's just like a vitamin or you name it. It's not something you can just take any old thing. It's like taking, oh, take a medicine. We would never say that. You want to take the medicine that's appropriate for your condition. So, um, you know, you really need to be thinking about probiotics in this way. Ask your doc, is there a specific strain probiotics or mixture strains I need for my conditions? Mm -hmm. And if your doc doesn't recommend one, then you don't need to be shopping in in that category. That's my, you know, two cents. So it, it, because it gets complicated. And while Dan has a perspective on some things. I even on the treatment side, like that that it's uh, been proven to be effective for irritable bowel syndrome. I don't agree with that. So that has to do again. You might need to ask your doctor, like, what evidence do you have that this is proven to be effect- effective in clinical trials? Again, it depends on how you know you want to try things. It's worth a try. I agree with Dan, but to say it's been proven effective is not in my opinion, accurate. And the other thing, I don't want to have listeners like not uh, uh, leave without understanding that there's a massive amount of evidence that exercise is beneficial to Mm -hmm. multiple aspects of health. There's mass and there's not as extensive, but there is evidence that a Mediterranean diet, just as Mm -hmm. you described, Mo, focusing on whole fruits, vegetables, decreasing processed foods, decreasing salt, mm-hmm. and um, increased nuts is a very healthy, proven, effective. So I just want to leave you with so you, there's uh, a, I don't want to leave your, uh, you, you know, listeners with a misperception about that. Do you think there's massive evidence that 25-year-olds exercising helps their heart? Uh no, we don't know. We haven't randomized 25-year-olds. Yeah, 30-year-olds, I mean, healthy, but yeah, there's massive evidence people have heart disease, hypertension, different kind of maybe depression and stuff, but I'm talking healthy people keeping them healthier. Is there massive evidence of that? Yeah, but, but the difference is that the difference is that if we had probiotic evidence that this helped people that were 65 years and older, it proven. And then we're wondering, oh, should you take it earlier? because it's been proven when you're 65. Well, the probiotics hasn't been proven for for a 10-year-old who's healthy, a 30-year-old that's healthy, a 70-year-old or 100-year-old that's healthy. So we can't really extrapolate for any help. We have zero data that the randomized data of healthy person can live longer, have less cancer, less, you name it, you know, infections 
because they're taking a probiotic. We, I, we don't argue about that or not stuff, but the irritable bowel, you had a question about irritable bowel syndrome. And I just want to reiterate that, that I do not think the evidence is clear that probiotics help all irritable bowel syndrome. I think the evidence is clear that people who suffer from irritable bowel should have a trial of probiotics to see if it helps. The evidence is clear for the other things I mentioned, but for irritable bowel, the problem with it is it's so multifactorial that is so many mm-hmm. different things that cause it, your diet, your stress, your other medicines, your, your travel, that it's worth it to try for those things, but not that it's clear cut. And got it. Would you agree with Dr. Cohen and what he was saying that if you're going to consult your um, primary care physician or even a specialist, a gastroenterologist, let's say, um, would you recommend, hey, seek out these you know, particular strains or um, ones that at least as far as the data have been shown to be you know, effective? Oh, yeah, he's, he's 100 percent correct in that. Just like we, you know, if you come in, someone needs an antibiotic in your ED. Uh, you don't just mm-hmm. prescribe any antibiotic. You prescribe a specific one at a specific dose for a specific that. There's no question about that. And 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 unfortunately, he's correct too that too many people miss that point and and they prescribe their you don't prescribe because it's a supplement. Recommend the wrong probiotic uh, inappropriately. But um, yeah, total agreement with that. And uh, just want to shift the conversation a little bit because I think we really focused on the sort of supplement side of things when we talk about probiotics. But in terms of items, food items that naturally have, um, microorganisms in them, you know, uh, yogurts. So, um, other dairy products, what is your opinion on that? Is there any evidence to, to support those being sort of healthy food items, um, with respect to the microorganisms that they contain? So, like Dr. Cohen said at the beginning, it has to have a benefit. In order to be a probiotic, it has to have a clinical trial mm-hmm. to show it. So most of these do not. Uh, fermented foods have been used for hundreds of years for safety reasons and taste, and, and et cetera. So uh, there is an argument, and, and me and some colleagues are looking into it, that maybe just getting more bugs, you know, less sterile environment might actually have a benefit. But again, it, it's hard to show that. Uh, it's hard to do clinical trials of that and stuff. Uh, in general, uh, I like the diet you and Dr. Cohen talked about. Um, you know, the, the Mediterranean diet with, with more fermented foods too. But if you ask me if the evidence level is there, I think it's pretty poor evidence to, to, to highly promote it. Yeah, I, I, I would just agree that um, the key there is making sure that you're aligning healthy food choices. So mm-hmm. that's great. If you want to figure out a way to incorporate uh, um, a food that naturally has live organisms in it, and you're eating it for its it's healthy part of your diet altogether. That's, that's terrific. And that's sort of, uh, I agree that it's not, I wouldn't be calling a probiotic. I don't think you should be eating that like it's medicine. Absolutely not. But sure. Like just that makes sense. You know, you're going to choose, we choose broccoli because rather than, you know, Doritos, because we think it's healthy on that day. So making those kind of food choices in that direction, as long as it's it's a healthy food, um, is the way to go. It, it, it is fine. Although I agree with Dan that it's not going to be proven that that's going to be, you know, beneficial to you. So. Got it. So I'm going to uh, take it a little left field. So we, we just did a show, um, ladies and gentlemen, I think you all appreciated this one, the BBL show. We talked about Brazilian butt lifts and uh, we acknowledged, yes, very right. From a surgical standpoint, dangerous procedure, a lot of bad outcomes, but we acknowledged there are many people that are still going to get them, right? And we talked about the way in which you can safely have that procedure done, or at least the best way to sort of look for a surgeon and to sort of look out for complications regarding that. 
And I guess similar to that conversation, right, there are individuals that I don't want to say regardless of what we say, but they're still going to buy um, products, right? They're still going to buy probiotics and make that investment. Um, and I think some to some degree, kind of we talked about this in that maybe there is some benefit that we just don't know, right? For the average individual that is healthy, does not have any of the conditions we talked about, um, where they make that investment and say, hey, there might be a chance that I can benefit from this. So I'm going to do that. My question to you both is uh, in individuals that are going to um, invest in these products, how do they do so safely? And the reason I ask that because um, Dr. Cohen and you have definitely talked about this um, in terms of right these products potentially and especially for some individuals with, um, you know, immune dysfunction or immune compromise um, where these can be potentially dangerous. So how does one if they are going to buy these products? Are there any tips or strategies that you can uh, lend to our audience to do so safely, right, and make the best investment possible? Yeah, so I'll just say that having written about uh, this issue, I want to say that as a general category of products, probiotics are incredibly safe. So it's really, my concern is more about people, the the cost it's going to have on them uh, unnecessary spending for something that's going to have no uh, proven benefit, no benefit, honestly. Like, I just think it's going to be no be- no benefit that eventually we'll find out that we can't make a healthier person healthy through products. That's my hunch. But right now, I agree it's unproven. Uh, we haven't we haven't done the large studies yet. So, but with that said, I just want to say probiotics, that, that category is incredibly safe. We have some concerns. So the concerns are that if you have severe immunodeficient, very sick. So these are people who are like, you know, the end stage of life sort of thing. If you, you, there is absolutely possible that you can take those live bacteria and the live bacteria can get into your bloodstream. And while in most people, they don't cause any problems, occasionally it does, but these are this extremely rare and you would be quite sick. This is not the situation you're walking around shopping in your supermarket and just pick them up. There's theoretical risks, and this is what I think that we need to um, study more. We need to understand, like, could there are, in Europe, for example, there's a lot of effort made to make sure that the live microorganisms being sold as supplements are not containing certain genes that might confer antibiotic resistance to other bacteria in our system. Now, the, the, the studies on this are all basic science studies. I'm not saying this has been proven at all. So in other words, I'm not saying that it's ever been shown that given a probiotic could lead to you not being able to respond appropriately to an antibiotic. But I can tell you that other countries are doing a much better job at ensuring that that sort of safety, checking the, the live microorganisms, that they're not for genes before they're entered into the human system. And one thing we haven't talked about yet, it, it gets at a very important p- point here, which is how supplements, dietary supplements, which, which the live microorganisms are being sold that are, are sort of regulated in the United States. And uh, the truth is extremely loosely uh, in a way that was never the, the, the law, which oversees these products, was designed for vitamins and minerals not for live bacteria, live yeast. So you can just imagine that a law that's made to make sure that 
uh, of vitamin D and vitamin A is safe when you take it, it might not be adequate to ensure that a live bacteria is safe when you take it. And those are the kinds of concerns I have because of the, not because of the area uh, of probiotics, which I think are incredibly safe if well-produced, carefully done, but I'm concerned about how they're being sold in the United States, the lack of quality control and the sort of loosey-goosey situation we have. So that's just a few things to keep in mind. Uh, although, you know, I think Dan and I do have tips we can get to later about how to help consumers find higher quality products on store shelves, even here in the United States. But. So, so Mo, we, uh, I think we agree on the facts. We disagree a little bit on the interpretation. So um, it is the industry standard that before they put a probiotic out that they look for any antibiotic resistance. Uh, now, I don't work for industry. I, I'm not in the lab seeing what they do, but that is, that's what they're supposed to do. Are there bad players out there? I assume there are some bad players, just like in, in most fields. Uh, and second, if you're the immunocompromised people uh, Dr. Cohen was talking about, really shouldn't be going and buying supplements uh, without talking to their provider. And I don't think he believes there's any danger of them eating yogurt. I think he's talking more about the supplements. And, and I agree with him, but they shouldn't. The, the supplements, and again, Dr. Cohen's experts, are not really made for sick people. They're, they're, they're specifically for, by definition, healthier people. Uh, so people in the ICU shouldn't have people bringing them in supplements and taking them like that without talking to the provider. Um, and, but, and I agree with that, too. So I just think it's just the way that's being used uh, inappropriately. No, facts. I'm glad you, you both made that clarification because I've definitely appreciated that, um, you know, family members bringing in um, things and, and giving them uh to individuals that are very ill and that could complement, you know, com complicate their treatment um, and recovery going forward. Um, you know, so thank you both for for sharing that. And if there was anything uh, that we could sort of do as far as a best practice. So if we are in that supermarket, um, is there a particular like looking on a label for a product, um, anything that could that we can look for right to sort of get to that standard of approval we say hey this is reasonably safe and right of the the highest quality standard um that i'm purchasing anything like that that we could look for um as consumers of these products right so for, first thing um here, here are a few basic tips to keep in mind one is i wouldn't like we were talking about earlier i wouldn't be in the search for a probiotic mm -hmm. uh just like any live microorganism I would really try to be looking, I, I would be more focused, like, it, it, and if you're not more focused, I, I don't think you're ready to take one, honestly. And the question is like, so do some research, do some homework, look at legitimate, you know, site, websites, mm -hmm. the NIH's website, you know, you name it, and find out like what's recommended to, uh, to be taken. And when it's recommended, pay attention, not just to the bacteria name. So the bacteria name comes in two different things. There's like a, a capital word, that's the that's the um, genus, mm -hmm. and then the next word's a species. It'll you just it'll look all like Latin, probably just jot it, write it all down. But then there's actually when it comes to probiotics, a third word, which is the the like number or, or identifying term for the strain. So it turns out that even within the, the same genus and species, the strains can matter. So first off, is the is once you decide what you, strain you're looking for is the product that you're looking at list a strain. Oftentimes, because it's not required in the United States, and this is more of our loosey-goosey laws here, they can just list the genus and species, and honestly, that's not enough to even know if it's what you want to put in your body. 
So that's number one. I, make sure it has a specific strain, three parts to the name. Two look like Latin, and then like a number or a combination, number, letter, some of that. Uh, next thing is, does it tell you how much live microorganism you're supposed to get when you take the product? Mm. Another problem in our loosey-goosey uh, laws here is that there's no requirement that accurate information regarding uh, how many colony-forming units or CFUs are in the, in the bottles. Big problem here in the United States. But there are some companies that are that are at least putting that on 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 the bottle. Dan might know if those, if both that if that information is accurate, because mm -hmm. uh, there's been studies about that and questions about that. But but basically, I'd be looking at a bottle to see if it lists a strain, <clears throat> and if it has an actual amount of that strain, and have done your homework before you go into the store to know. Oh, I'm looking for this strain of live bacteria. In this amount of it, that's what I want to do. Take and then you look for something that has all that information. The bottle, boom, you're you're going to get a higher quality product than just grabbing whatever anything off the shelf probiotic that's on the closest to you on the store shelf. Yeah, I would I would agree. I just would say it's it's hard. It's difficult to do. It, it's um, I mean, you heard it. Took them two or three minutes to explain it. It's a, it's a tough thing to do. Uh, there are websites mm -hmm. out there. Uh, ISEP has our website where we, we help people do, figure out there's a U.S. probiotic guide where they list different things with evidence. But it's hard to go to the store. I mean, that's what we did in our studies, to go to the store and figure out what has evidence mm -hmm. and what doesn't. Uh, but the, the good companies out there do put the strain on. They put the dose. They put uh, when it expires, how long that dose stays, things like that, um, that are important. But it, it, it's, it's difficult to do. Got it. And that's something that, ladies and gentlemen, that we will uh, sort of incorporate into our show notes, those resources. Um, and we do advise, you know, take a look at them. I'm definitely in agreement with those recommendations. Thank you both. Sorry. Yeah. Also, on a similar note, I wanted to ask, what are the main traps you guys see with probiotics and what would potentially a dystopian future of probiotics look like? Like if there was a dystopian future for probiotics, like something you're afraid might take off and 20 years from now, if you walk into a grocery store and you see something that, you know, some trap that people would fall into. Well, I mean, you don't have to wait 20 years. I mean, people fall into it right now. They, they go probiotics and think it's going to treat their child's autism or things like that. And, it, and it's a shame that there's things out there that are advertising like that. So I, I mean, I think Peter and I agree. I think he agrees or he probably thinks there's more bad players, but I think there's bad players out there that do things that don't, you know, follow the rules or, or barely follow the rules. And, and, and we agree that supplements are not regulated as well as clearly as drugs and other things. So that's a problem. But I, I believe it's come far in such a short time that in 20 years from now, we'll have more evidence, uh, more specific strains, specific for indications um, that it will take time that, you know, the expectations now, are sort of unrealistic considering how, how new they are, considering how new our information is about the microbiome in that 15, 20 years now, we, you might be able to go into the store and buy a probiotic to help you lose weight or maintain your weight or something. We are not there yet. So if someone's selling you that, you know, they're, they're selling something that's false, but I, I'm, I think that has a potential in the future. I, I totally agree with um, what Dan just said. And, and I want to um, say that that's another uh, bit of tip for a consumer and a lot easier than trying to keep track of a strain and a, colony forming unit and that is um what what are the claims on the bottle 
I would, and, and, and this also gets into Reed's question about dystopia. Dystopia is precisely what Dan's describing. It's when probiotics are being sold as if they will uh, uh, cure diseases, treat things. People are going to spend, who, who might not have health insurance or who it might be too expensive to go into your primary care doc for the copay. Instead, you're spending that money on a probiotic that's promising to treat that symptom that you have. That's, that's really manipulative from the company's perspective and a really mm -hmm. sad situation from the consumer and the patient's perspective. So I, I and I think we're right there today, you know, in, in supermarkets and, and uh, convenience stores. So here, here's another tip. Don't buy a supplement that has a claim on it, especially a claim about any improving, you know, a healthy person, as we've talked about, it's unproven yet what it can do for healthy people. So if it has claims, this will boost your immune system. Don't buy it. That's my perspective. Once you're looking for a particular strain, find a uh, product that just lists that strain mm -hmm. and no claims that it has magical um, powers. And that also is more likely to be from a legitimate company uh, that is straight shooter giving you a product rather than, you know, um, sort of like playing on the opportunities that uh, manufacturers do have in the United States to make these kind of claims, even when they're not proven, the claim hasn't been proven in human trials. Uh, what would you both say to individuals that sort of craft their own home brews of uh, some of these things, right? Whether it's making home kombucha, whether it is um, sort of fermenting their own yogurt. Um, any advice for these individuals or caution um, that you would sort of recommend um, in individuals doing these things at home? Not really. Any I mean, as a family doc, if it seems to be helping them and they enjoy it and they seem to be doing well, you know, we're not going to tell them to stop taking it. And, and probably the same thing with the multivitamin, if they think it helps them and they're, they're mm -hmm. feeling healthy, I'm, I'm probably not going to go out of my way to tell them to, to stop taking the multivitamin. If they ask me, I would tell them, but you're know, not going to go out of my way. So, um, you know, if they're making kombucha or they're making their own dahi or their own yogurt at home and, and they think it mm -hmm. helps them and their kids, uh, you know, it's not that way. Now, if they think it's, it's going to treat um, their kids' uh, inflammatory bowel disease and they're not going to bring them in to see us or go follow up with the GI doctor, then I, I, I would clearly talk to them. But if they're just doing it, it it's, um, you know, uh, the food in the United States is, is probably as safe as it's ever been in, you know, at any time in, in the world. So I'm not that worried about that. Got it. In that regards, I would say have fun. And I guess I don't have to uh, uh, go toe to toe with my wife again. <laughs> Somebody, <laughs> the girls are fine. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to. Well, yeah. Peter might think you have to. I don't Central know. I, I, think, I think if she and, wants to try it, it's, oh, it's Lord. worth it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to thank you both uh, for joining us on the program and for sharing uh, this wonderful information with our listening audience um, and definitely welcome you to join us again. Um, pretty sure we're going to get some questions uh, from our listeners regarding uh, this program. And ladies and gentlemen, as we promised, we will definitely post uh, those resources on our site. Yeah. Thank you both. And before we wrap up, I would say what would, what would be the most important message most important point that our listening audience should take home um, regarding this discussion uh, about probiotics. I mean, I would say that there's there's um, that there's a reason there's hype there that there there are some that have been well studied and you know more than multiple more than one clinical trial different groups 
uh, and there's a lot of promise there. Uh, I think uh, we both agree that there's at times more hype than promise, and that I think that happens. That's I think that's just the American way. I don't think that's different from robotics than than a lot of other things. Um, but I think people should be open-minded, but but critical when they when you said when they go to the store, they should you know think about it. they shouldn't just be buying anything thinking it's going to help them or make healthy people healthier. Uh, but I think in the, if we have this conversation in two years from now or five years, the evidence is going to keep building that it's amazing to me how much the evidence has changed since I started in um, 2006. Um, you know, the, the amount we know now compared to the amount we know then is unbelievable. And um, I think it's going to continue. And, and I think Peter's going to be right. There are certain conditions that will probably have no effect with probiotics, but I think we'll find other mm-hmm. ones that, that do. So I think it's a, a super exciting time. I appreciate your doing this. I think um, there's a lot of interest in, um, in patients. In um, Mo, I guess I would leave um, listeners with the reminder that in the United States, there are just uh, so many different live bacteria mm-hmm. that can be called, marketed as a probiotic, even when there's never been any evidence that they benefit human health. And that when you're selling a supplement, you can also put on claims like it boosts your immune system Mm -hmm. when it's never been proven in humans that it boosts the immune system. So that's all. Just keep that in mind next time you're at the in the supplement aisle. Got it. Thank you very much uh, for that. Thank you, Dr. Maristine. And thank you, Dr. Cohen. Uh, I also want to thank my man, Reed, Vero. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, as well and we shout out to the rest of the health in harlem team we also want to shout out angela harden and tina dixon at whcr Um, nothing would happen without them um, and their efforts in making sure that the station is running um, and that we're getting uh, good information good music entertainment out there um, each and every day and lastly we thank you the listening audience for tuning in the only thing we ask ladies and gentlemen is that you share what you've learned on the program whether it's at the water cooler um, with your neighbor family Um, We definitely want to spread some good information out there, especially um, with all of the stuff that we're dealing with, the misinformation and disinformation out there. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, each and every week, this show is dedicated to the memory of Miss Gloria Thomas. Harlem, take care of yourself.